0: Sorry, Ken uh, Ray, Steve, appreciate that uh, Ken and are awesome. I appreciate your Thank you so much. I was highly entertained. I was still listening even after you got my name you wrong. Know, uh, but uh, I appreciate that it was well done. given Fidi leaving us at this time, and Fidi, uh, we love you dearly. We're going to miss you greatly. Um, and uh, have some cards, some people have signed uh, a lot of them last night. Uh, but I just want to say a few short words, so you yeah, have a little bit of time to preach. By the way, I tell you, we get done at 1225. I'm just teasing, but just, just teasing. I'm teasing because I never make that happen. Um, but I just want to say a couple of things. I like do from one to two, gruesome to three. Uh, the, uh, one of thing is that I know myself and the staff experience, and I think a lot of people here what we experience a lot from you is your joy. Your joy for God and people, your joy in God when you're with people is contagious. And it's an amazing gift that you have an amazing food the Spirit that testifies to God's Spirit in your life. And it just flows out to everybody else. And I don't know, I know all of you weren't here last night, but maybe of you were, and you can testify to the joy that He has that has been infectious with our high schoolers. Just a testimony of your ministry to see all that you so engaged last night, and worshiping Jesus, and just having a great time. And testifies a lot to your ministry and your love for God and your love for them. And so I was blessed as, as I witnessed that. And feeding uh, one of the things that I love about you, that I love about working with you uh, as a pastor, is that your love for Jesus shows in your work because you are always putting others before yourself. Um, whether it's youth or, or working with audiovisual, working with community outreach, or just this church at large, you put everybody before yourself. You have a love that is superficial, and uh, I'm blessed by that. And this church has been blessed by that. So we're going to miss you. We love you. We, we have a, we have some cards here, and, and I think it's I think it's the big one. You want to make sure you There's a piece of plastic in there that I think you will enjoy, and uh, a particular sports store. I don't know, because you're all getting strong things in there. Waterford, NASCAR, I uh, do But, you know, hey, it doesn't really and all those kinds of things might, might help you a little bit out of I am going to put that here. If you leave it behind, uh, see so your thousand next breaks or whatever's left on the music stands, and we'll just say, God bless you, this So, all right, but, Peter, come on up. Give us a word, give us a word, give us a just had an amazing time here with you. And I want to say especially thank you to everyone who's partnered with me and um, helping me work with the media. Um, it's been a journey over the last few years of transition from uh, doing things analog to going digital HD, and I don't know if you know how it is working with anything, uh, audio, visual, electrical. If you change one thing, you have to change up 20 things, And then there's 50 other things, you might have said, so um, you've been patient with us and have had some hard-working team members. of um. It doesn't happen uh, because you have five test scores. It, it happens because you are engaged in the life of this community, and the life of this church. And so, thank you so much, the parents who, man, um, you brought your kids back and forth to everything. Um, thank you to people who gave up their Um There's some weekends when I was just too tired to do anything, <laughs> and as parents who said, "That's okay." Um, just tell all the kids to come to my place and they can just hang out my house in a the And they just look it. So thank you so much for that. Um, I, I don't want to leave you with a very, a picture of pastor, of my new pastor, that is too good. So I'm going to tell you a story um, yeah, that actually has nothing to do with my sermon and there's no moral. But um, it's probably um, a bad Okay. <laughs> On the water, and he was able to teach me how to wakeboard and how to get up on it and just be able to actually enjoy it. And so the there was a day we went out to the lake and we were all out and we were wakeboarding. And um, we came back and I noticed that in all the events that we had previously, that everything that we were doing that summer, only the guys were showing up. Like literally just the guys. None of the girls in the youth group were showing up. And so finally, we we're all standing there around the boat. Getting ready to be, but I said, Guys, like, what's going on? How come the girls don't show up to anything? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. Just show up and do things. And so I said, Well, so then I put, so, uh, later on, I put something up on Facebook. And I was like, Girls, oh, what am I like, doing something wrong? Like, how can they don't show up to anything? They're like, Oh, no, it's the guy. The guys are just, you know, kind of rough. And, and so then, um, so back, back to the art, you know, right, but, but I was like, All oh, right, guys, what can I do? What can I, how can I. Encourage you to invite more people to come along. Is because these events are not just for the guys. It's you know I want the girls to enjoy it. Even on the lake. You know the girls would enjoy time wakeboarding. Like let's not be selfish. And during the conversation, I flippantly said something like, "What do I have to do to invite some girls?" And one of the guys goes, "Oh yeah, we sure. I'll be like fifteen girls if you do that." And I was like, "That moment in you, Pastor." So that's what not to do um, as a new professor. I there would be normal to the story. Will you allow me to speak to you one last time? This is so bittersweet, so bittersweet that I'm gonna try to actually not try on this is slide. This is chapter seven, I'm gonna read it to you, and then afterwards, um, one of the things that I love doing in my life is i listen to a journaler. I like to write a lot, I write a lot of short stories, and. Um, what we call uh, creative nonfiction. And um, if you would allow me, I would like to just read to you a letter that I wrote to you. Over the last um, choir tour that I went with Mixed Grande Academy, I um, thought that it might be the last time I get to speak to the student body as a whole, as much as they were together, the ones who went. And so I wrote them two letters, three letters And so, if you will allow me to read you my departing letter to you um, as I get to um, speak to you one last time. before we do that, I just want to read this text in Book of Chapter 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And our centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and was about to die. The centurion heard Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. For I myself am a man under a with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, when he goes, and I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turn, turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. The man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant as well. And so, dear Telemason, said so that they had to church. Have you ever needed a favor? And you knew that you could possibly ask for the world, and the person delivering the favor was capable of delivering the world. Yet you asked for the bare minimum. Yet yeah, the bare minimum is the equivalent of moving the mountain or raising the dead is that read the story out of Luke 7, this one about the centurion who has a serpent who is highly valued, who is sick and about to die. I have a feeling, at least by the way it's written, that he knew Jesus could very easily make everything right. And he was confident in this, but insecure in other ways, about other things. In some Bibles, the heading is titled The Faith of the Centurion. But then I read the line where he says, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. I read those lines and think to myself that this centurion didn't sound like what I expect Romans to sound like. He sounds like a really humble guy. I mean, he should have summoned more servants and maybe some of the Jews under his jurisdiction. And he could have ordered them to go find Jesus and make sure they came back with him and make sure his servant was healed or lost him. Then I realized that it wasn't a spouse or a brother or a father or a mother or a son or a daughter that was the subject of this miracle requisition. It was his servant. This centurion wanted a miracle for the help. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to read the book entitled The Help*. The Help* is a book released in 2009 about African-American maids working in 1960s Jackson, Mississippi. It was written by Catherine Stockett and became a hit film starring Emma Stone years later. The book was rejected 60 times before someone would represent her as an agent and before he got exposure to publishing company. Since then, it sold five million copies. Well, five million won. 1 I, I first caught wind of it while listening to NPR because of the uniqueness of the way the book was written. It was a book written in the voice of three characters. Two were black maids working in white households, and the other voice was one of the grown children in one of those households who had returned home after graduating college. She went by the playful name of Skeeter, apparently because she was so tall and naive. She looked like a Skeeter. Skeeter's perspective, in one way or the other, had been shifted, and when she realized that the maids were enduring injustices, she sought to change that by giving them a voice by writing the book of their stories. In these things, and these maids. yet, others of how the families they served became their own surrogate families, of how the children they raised were like their own children, of how some of their employers became dear friends and life. And I think back to the Roman and how his seminary and undergraduate Bible classes were shown how he was blessed the Romans were and how much the Jews hated them, and probably for good reason most of the time. But then you have scenes that shift your perspective just a little bit. The scene where the soldier who essentially was just doing his job to show that this man was of done. We get a glimpse of something. Was it compassion? Was it belief? Was it faith? And we have this story in Luke 7, 10 verses of how a Roman soldier asked Jesus for help for his help. His beloved help. And once again, we get a picture of a Roman who certainly has something else going on. He certainly had compassion. He certainly had belief. He certainly had faith. Do you realize that he and Jesus never had any contact? That he first sent his Jewish elders, the Jewish elders in his community, who vouched for him as someone who built their synagogue, as someone who loves. Their nation. Did you notice that later on, when he gets some changes of embarrassment, he changes his mind about having the God Almighty incarnate inside his house. He sends his friends to just tell Jesus to say the word. He tells his friends to remind Jesus that he too is a man of authority and that his words are words of authority, and people do what he says. It's basically saying that he knows that Jesus. Having all authority under heaven and earth can just basically command his servant into wombs. When I myself have the gall and the guts to summon Jesus to my house, what's more likely, what's more likely is a scenario where I get embarrassed about the condition of my house, about the condition of my life, and ask Jesus to just do what Jesus does to my father. The other day, the a was going on the 10 west. And I went. I noticed that the 10 east was particularly heavy with traffic, There was a frequent car filming 10 that that things up pretty nicely. And then I noticed that the Highway Patrol had closed down the connectors from the 15 south and the 15 north onto the 10 east. And further up, a few miles up, I just got something there at the airport to more of Patrol vehicles that bought the 10 east, stopping perpendicular to traffic. And stopping the traffic completely. I thought it was because of the wreck in Bloomington and that somebody maybe had passed away and that they're not to about to land a helicopter on the freeway or something. But what I found, I found out while later, is that it was because the Chinese president was here to meet with President Obama out in Rancho Mirage. President Obama gets to land in LAX, run right around the 4020 middle of LA doing fundraisers jump onto his presidential chopper and 20, 30 minutes later he's out in the desert, the Chinese president gets to land in Ontario and take the 10 East through, well, okay, so California has some really beautiful places, and I know that places like And Bloomington and have some pretty places. For example, the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, Quite possibly the most beautiful place in Southern California, at least in this area. However, when you land in Ontario and go to the East, just think a little bit about what you. It's not exactly the prettiest places of any of those towns. In fact, well, some people have called it the armpit of Southern California. The cities the President would be passing by visiting at their own charm, but the sites in the 10th freeway from Ontario to Rancho Garage are not necessarily what someone are California's best cities to offer. And here comes this fairly important man from a fairly important country, and he gets to look at lots of industrial sites while possibly being stuck in ten freeway rush-hour wrecked traffic. And then when he's deposited into Rancho Mirage, he feels the wonderful Southern California weather most sunny with a high of 75. More like sunny with a high of 105 or 115. He came to the house of Southern Californians, and we probably didn't have much in the way of training to offer in these first drives, but his mission was important nonetheless. And if we were embarrassed enough, maybe we could have asked President Obama to just stay in Washington and Skype him instead of having to him to our streets. And perhaps this kind existed in the first century world, the would have chosen that method instead of sending Jesus to his place and then changing his mind. I don't want to get lost in the dramatic telling of this story and the man's faith. Listen to had. See, he just knew that Jesus could do no wrong. At a time when he should have felt incredibly defeated, he knew that Jesus could lift him up back into heavenly places by healing his servant. Now, when was the last time you felt incredibly defeated? I felt incredibly defeated when my timing belt broke on the 10 several stops to go on my way to church, and I sat on the side of the road for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, waiting for a dog truck, which then took my beloved 2001 Volkswagen to start wagon, 5 speed manual, and deposited it back on the street outside of my house. I thought maybe I should fix it. I took it to the shop, and they said, yeah, you're having has gone. And it also destroyed your engine. So it'll take about $2,000 to begin to fix this car. Just See, me and my car, as we have history. we have names. This one. Her name was Fitby. Because she had a turbo engine. Had to just, you know, drop it in third gear. Hit it, and when the turbo spools up it draws you back in your chair, you zip-on. It, it was a lot of fun. I had fun. My, my cars are not just transportation. They are the source of two, or, you know. and and so this one was just sitting there, and I took it to the to the mechanic, and they said um, it's going to cost this much to fix it. And I said, "Do you know what you have And so I thought maybe I should put it on Craigslist and just sell it, you know, as it is, and say, "Hey, leave the whole new engine? If you're come get it." But I didn't want a bunch of creepy people trancing through my place because you know how Craigslist is. And so I found this site online where you can just sell your car, sign to the team, and they say, oh, is this what it has, is this what it has. And if you are not lying to them, they show up, they hand you a check, and they take your car. But then, on the day that they were supposed to come and get my car, I got stuck in another beautiful town of California, up in the central valley, called Lodi. Now... I had to go up there to, have to help a friend drive up there who was going to the wedding. I had friends up there who passed up there. he said, you know what? I will stick around. And he said, well, you yeah, know, the wedding's is to take actually a long longer. we got to stay until Tuesday. And I said, all right, I'll stick around. And then I get a call saying, we're here to pick up your car. And I said, oh, wait, I forgot to my car on Tuesday. I said, to take the car. I will come to you and get my check. off. Oh, yeah. So I get home and I go of the most beautiful places in California. I go to a junkyard in Bloomington where they have thoroughly disrespected. city. Not only was she the best-looking car there because there was no body damage, it was just all ancient stuff. It had stuff there in the back corner and it was all dusty and crazy and I said, you know what, okay, I'm not have any plates. I'm gonna taking my, my plates. No, we started them. It's okay, they kept one. I kept the front one. I'm not supposed to put it on this project. You, they don't you know, it. Um kept it And anyway. um, I said, okay, okay, okay. I had a custom radio. Can I just pull my custom deck out of there so I go back to the car and open the door and someone had stolen my radio already? And I just felt defeated. I said, you know what? You can have it. if you Take it. I give up. I'm defeated. The thing is, done. about being in the transitional home, about watching the residents come in and out and they tell me the stories of their friends, they tell me their stories, and they sometimes come in to the transitional home in a place where they have simply been defeated by life. But I get to sit with them in the morning and share breakfast or chat late into the night. And they share stories of incredible faith despite their backgrounds. Stories where they've been picked up from their defeat and put in heavenly places. And I think about where my story is going, having to put my faith in Jesus as I begin to transition out of this place, out of this space, into something different, not knowing exactly what the future holds, but putting my faith in Jesus. See, sometimes we try to grow mustard plants. Sometimes we try to move mountains, and we do. But our faith is often not measured in outcomes, but measuring how we love those around us who need some love, some care, some attention. And at that point, Jesus says, "I am already in your spaces, your household, and the household of your heart is one." There's nothing to be embarrassed about. I already know everything about you, Jesus says, and about who you are, and there's nothing you can hide. But what you can do is have faith that I'm already working everything out to my glory. And it's at that moment where, at least for me, I'm able to say faith, Jesus, you really are everything. If you pump up those mustard bushes better than any miracle grow, you are the true miracle broker. Those mountains don't stand a chance. You've placed a love in my heart that knows no boundaries, and because of that, I use you everything. Inhabit all corners and nooks and crannies of my life. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to hide. And, and, so, and so, one time I went to this concert by Matthew West, and I didn't know what to expect showed up and he began to tell the story of how he wanted to write a unique album. And how he wanted to write an album of stories. An album of songs that had been inspired by the stories of other people who had listened to. So he sent a message to his staff and said, send me your stories. And thousands and thousands of stories for them. And he selected about 12 of them. And he went friends in a cabin in the mountains. And he sent all those people letters and said, I love your stories and I want to tell them you so. saw So come up to my cabin and spend time with me And sit with me. And they sat with him. And they told them their stories. And they figured them to take the stories. And they recorded the stories. And he went back and wrote songs. To all of those stories that spoke to all of their experiences. And what we have uh, was a record. was an album that spoke to the political that, that we did have in Jesus Faith that Jesus is already healing, the way broken homes. Faith that Jesus is already healing from the faith. That Jesus is working through Faith that Jesus is working through yeah. chemistry kind of injuries. Faith that Jesus works in just the little things that are happening every single day. Mm-hmm. And one of the songs he sings say says to you are dedicated. And it reminded me of the song that I sang that uh, Philip graciously allows me to, allow to sing at the end of our Easter program. Jesus is everything to me. And I think about the experiences we have in our lives. And throughout those experiences, how amazing if we had a this position when we can say, Jesus, we just know that you are worth everything. Be everything to my world. Embrace practicing Jesus is still far He's already working in life and friends with you and go forward Thank you.